Welcome to the Standard of Truth podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont and Professor Richard LaDuke explore the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the life and teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith. They examine the original historical sources and provide context for events of the past. They approach the history of the Church with faith, expertise, and humor. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Standard of Truth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont, and I'm joined by my friend in person, in the flesh, the nearly doctor, <laughs> Richard LaDuke. Oh, hi. Hello, Garrett. Um, I, Don't sound I, I was, excited. No, I mean, I was, yeah. I, I was caught off guard. I couldn't remember the thing that I always say every time. I I'm was, pretty sure it's hello, Garrett. Hello, Garrett. I couldn't remember it. I was, I was just so appreciative of that kind introduction. It's nice to be here for Moroni Part Thirty Two. Well, this is this is kind of a, we're this is a potpourri. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, we're gonna see what happens. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get into the Phoebe Draper mailbag here. This might be the Garrett Unhinged episode. No, no, no. We don't want to get Becky's hopes up because I'm trying to keep it. Up it is level. my wife's favorite thing is irritated and upset Garrett. There are a couple of occasional triggers, most relating to Joseph Smith. That uh, that get him going, and we we received an email that uh, from a missionary from a missionary um, who we provided with uh, access to all of the uh, makes it sound like we're a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> we had a contact, and we sent some methamphetamine. <laughs> so we gave we gave her the access to the uh, to the premium content, as we do with all missionaries. We we have actually been inundated over the past two weeks, and it has been. A real treat. Um, I think over the past couple of weeks, we've sent something all close to 50 missionaries uh, premium content. And uh, again, all we ask is that you provide us with the missionary email and, and where they're serving. And baptize at least 100 people. That's all we're asking. That's all we've ever Especially asked. Especially if you're in Japan. That's right. That's why I've taken the content away from my son in Spain, because it ain't happening. You know what? He needs to work harder. <laughs> My son in Peru's killing it. I don't know what's wrong with my son it, in Spain. It is funny that uh, lack this, of work your, ethic. Your son in Spain has always had a strong work ethic, and they sent him to Spain. Well, you know, he's uh, it's it's been it's been it's been a good experience as we brag up the younger son who is killing it, and the other one that uh, is finding himself. I feel like at some point Andrew's going to say to you, you know. I, I, have I, have I, <laughs> you've never even let me have so much as a kid to celebrate with my friends. And then when this, your younger son who went to Peru on a mission, when he comes, oh, it's rejoicing, is it? Oh, yes. Yeah, well, this, well, the son, the son in Spain has been robbed uh, once, but just someone s- s- swiped his bag. Uh, the son in Peru has been uh, robbed at, at uh, knife and at gun point. Um, and uh, actually the gunpoint is a mildly funny story. He was robbed by the same person actually twice, uh, there in, uh, just outside of Lima. I think he needs to take a different route to wherever he's going. This is the thing. Rigdon's like, we know the guy. Everyone knows the guy. The police know the guy and everyone's fine with him just robbing us. (laughs) Well, you are gringos. Anyway, he, he got robbed at knife. And I believe I've mentioned this previously, but when he was robbed by knife, he just said he had a knife. And I was like, you didn't make him like show you the knife? I mean, I could say I have a knife and not have a knife. And he said, well, dad, you know, I, 
my Spanish isn't quite good enough. I didn't realize we were being robbed until right. it was. Right, dual- you thought he was asking, <laughs> "Where are your slippers?" <laughs> well, Duolingo doesn't. He said Duolingo doesn't have a "You're being robbed" chapter, which is you know what funny. Duolingo. You do need a "You're being robbed" chapter. That's the most important chapter if you're traveling. Well, sure. Anyway, so but then when he was robbed at gunpoint, again, I don't know why I think this is as funny as I do. My wife does not think it's nearly as funny. But uh, he was being robbed, and this time he showed him the gun, and he, sa- and he said, um, did, give did, me- did Rigdon say, no, nope, show it to me. <laughs> My dad said to not give any criminals any money unless I could see the weapon. So, like, where is it? So is he that, didn't. Did he you, didn't prove it worked. Oh, okay. Well. So, so anyway, no, shoot something. <laughs> if that gun doesn't go off, I will. Uh, it's kind of a doubting Thomas situation, but with yeah, a gun. Until I, yeah, until I, until you shoot this apple off my head, I won't believe. <laughs> anyway, so he shows him the gun, and again, I don't know why. You can hear me smiling as I'm telling this story about my son being robbed at gunpoint. I think there's something seriously wrong with me, but you know, he'll, he'll be fine. It builds character. So when, when he shows him the gun, he says, give me your phone and your money. And my son says, we don't have a phone. You stole it from us <laughs> last week, two weeks so ago. So how long does it take him to get a new phone? What's he been doing for two weeks? They've been writing. It's, he's been complaining. He's had to write everything on paper. And he's, he's had to get a notepad and write all the things. Oh, down what because- a horrible, horrible life. <laughs> Well, the being robbed, I think, is is a legitimate concern. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, kids today, <laughs> am I right? They don't know how. First, okay, they don't know how to be robbed. I feel you bad know? that he got robbed, kind of. But second of all, <laughs> kids don't know how to write or read cursive. No, like so. No. So we have a good friend of ours who was running for city council in in Spanish Fork, and friend of the show. I think you mentioned this in the yeah, premium. Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, my, he had my, well, we, my son, re- uh, registered to vote for the first time, just turned 18, you know, and so he could vote for, you know, his friend in the ward and he couldn't sign his name. I mean, at all. Like if I were to put a picture of his signature up on our website, we would become a comedy site immediately. Um, the only problem is then you would all be able to copy it. <laughs> Because it's so ridiculously yeah. horrible, and then you know someone th- will have stolen it. I think in in the in the condemned to repeat it uh, declaration of independence part two, we, you you I think described it like a caveman would grab a pen and just hold it like a club and just like yeah, that's essentially what they're letters. doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so so when he's getting robbed and he tells him, "I don't have a phone. You stole it from us two weeks ago," the robber laughed. And like, kind of like taps him on the shoulder. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, just your money then. So they gave him his money. Um, Have they tried calling his phone? <laughs> no. Oh. No, no. Because maybe they could call him and say, hey, we have some more money to give you. What road are you on right now? And again, um, part of the reason that that's funny is because, you know, he's, he's fine and he's, you know, still with us and he's uh, in a different area now where there's far less robbings happening. happening. So uh, good, for, good for Rigdon. Um, well, on to the Phoebe Draper mailbag. We, we, we have a lot of mail. Like we, we are avalanched in mail. So we apologize for those people that we won't respond to or read on the air. Or, but we will read all of them. We read all of them. But we are avalanched. Yes. Keep uh, sending mail. This, so there are a couple ways to get your email read. This is the most effective. 
I don't know if I believe it or not, but this certainly well, is the most effective. We're going to find out. We're going to hold her to it. So uh, the subject is, I will subscribe if you read my email. And, wow. And uh, Tylee, that goes straight to my heart. Um, tugs on the old heartstring. <laughs> uh, Garrett, my husband and I. Are we going to need Tylee to like send us a screenshot of her having <laughs> subscribed? Tylee, if we don't get a screenshot of you having subscribed to the premium content, we revoke reading this email. Yeah, I know that Garrett has hard feelings toward the state of Missouri, but he, similar to Thomas. Oh. Yeah, you, show me. He gots to show me. My husband and I met you at the Joseph Smith Papers Conference, and we were fangirling. <laughs> we were disappointed we didn't get to meet Richard. Well, you know what they say, Tylee, never meet your heroes. Um, I want to know from either you uh, from either of you, if you've learned anything new recently about Joseph Smith and what it was. Hopefully, it makes it on the podcast. Thank you for the insightful, funny, and faith-promoting commentary. We love listening to you guys. That's very kind email. Thank you very much for the email. And you don't have to subscribe if you don't want it, but you did say that you would. Yeah, no, you don't have to. I mean, we know where liars are thrust to. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're just carefully placed down in hell. <laughs> they're thrust. Yeah, it's a, it's a... It's like a shot put event with the Archangel Michael. Just, yeah. So, Garrett, what uh, what new things have you well, learned of Joseph Leonard? I, I, a lot of things, but I mean, I think. You're still learning new things all the time. I'm learning new things all the time. Um, but I think maybe we'll answer that by doing our sec uh, another email. Here. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. This is from uh, Sister Rawlings. Uh, dear Dr. Dirkmont and soon to be, if not already, Dr. Leduc. Well, never, Sister Rawlings, but I appreciate your support. I'm currently serving a mission in Pennsylvania, and several of my areas are bordered or have bordered the Ses Susquehanna River. In the area I'm serving now, I get to drive over it every day. I've been serving for a little over a year, and I'm loving it. This podcast was influential in my preparation to be a missionary oh, wow. and has continued to help me in my service. So she's allowed to listen to it, or at least did. She is listening <laughs> to it, I guess. Or I believe I've said I'm gonna I'm gonna get our crack research staff to make sure that we've sent her the access to the premium. Okay. I don't, yeah. I don't know that she asked when for Richard it. When Richard says crack research staff, it means he's going to be typing on his laptop <laughs> next to me while I answer the question. It strengthened my testimony of the living prophet and helped me gain a greater appreciation for the prophets that came before him. On P-Day, I overheard my companion talking about me to her family, and she told them that I know my church history. Awesome. That is pretty, pretty great. I owe a lot of that knowledge to things I've learned from listening to your podcast. I'm able to testify more confidently of things that are true, and it's helped me avoid the trap of being... Gettysburg Park Rangered. This wow. Is, this that, is what, yeah. Is that is good. literally the very, very greatest funny. use of a term that we've had. So I will Gettysburg say, Park Rangers. So she does, she does get to her, her question <laughs> here in just a sec, but I will say in discussion with my twice robbed son Rigdon, um, he was, he was talking at uh, Thanksgiving about, uh, you know, we got to talk to him for just a brief couple of minutes and he said how he started listening to the podcast. Whoa. I know. Uh, and I tried to get him to listen to the podcast prior, 
And it's just like, hey, here, missionary extravaganza episode. Here's about 27 episodes. It really helps to frame some of the core beliefs of, of what it is that we believe, um, what other people believe, and to give a greater context. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. On, a, on the drive down to Lake Powell with some friends, he listened to it for, he said, 15 minutes before he was so bored, he had to shut it off. Yeah. We don't compete well with Lake Powell <laughs> or friends. Or anything. We, yeah. I mean, well, so this is to like his if, point. If you're in a doctor's office and you've been waiting for two or three hours, by the fourth hour, you can get 15 minutes. By doctor's office, he means chemically induced coma. <laughs> yeah. If it's playing on a loop as the your family's trying to wake you up and demonstrate brain uh, function. Yeah. Activity, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no waves. You know what? We kill it with no no brainwave, it, folks. It's, it's one of our key demos is people who are not conscious. Mortuaries. Come awards, we kill it. Unintended. So um, anyway, so he says, you know, I I tried and just, just so, so boring. And he said, but you know what? I started listening to it again. And uh, he's got a a companion that, uh, you know, uh, he new companion. They haven't quite developed uh, the close friendship that sometimes occurs with with companionships. With, With being robbed. Yeah. And so uh, he, you know, he's got a lot more downtime, uh, you know, where he, you know, has nothing to do maybe in the, in the morning or evening as he's going to bed. And he said, you know, when, when the alternative is nothing, it's not bad. I think that we should probably have that put on a t-shirt. When the standard of truth podcast, when the alternative is is nothing, it's not bad. He didn't say it was good. He said, not bad. He's always been very, very effusive with his praise. He's always... (laughs) He's always been the child you had that was always telling you what a great job you're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, constantly. I laughed. I laughed for a good five minutes when he said that. Now to my question from Sister Rawlings here. A few weeks ago, my companion and I got off a call from a random number. We answered, and the man asked us if we could tell him how to get to heaven. We were ready for the biggest miracle ever. After explaining briefly faith, repentance, baptism in the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end, he said... This is Mormon, right? I don't agree with your church. He then proceeds to tell us a story about how someone in our church faked walking on water by placing boards under the surface. And as a result, everyone in our church is dishonest and then hung up. We had a lot of questions after he hung up, but was wondering if you know the answer to any of them. I asked my family and they found a few things uh, indicating it was Joseph Smith, but the sources were sketchy at best. Did this happen? Who is involved? Um, what do other sources look like for this event? I've been a member of the church all 20 years of my life and have never heard anything like this story. There would, uh, Where would this random guy have heard it? Thanks for your podcast and your humor. I'm grateful to be able to listen and laugh at the same time. Uh, sincerely. Um, so, oh, she says, by the way, P.S., I just used glossolalia in a sentence. Bonus points? G- glossolalia. Did she use it as a sentence with who? With, I, a, with an investigator? You, Look, if you come to church on Sunday, I can promise glossolalia. Or that there won't be. Well, you know, maybe. We, well, we're trying to get them to the church. <laughs> we did do a glossolalia episode. We did. So I think that's uh, what she's referencing. She uh, also indicated that she's the daughter of one of our other listeners. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure Brian is also aware that we're reading that email. Um, 
So, yeah, glossolalia. Wow, that's way to throw that out. Uh, um, How would that be pronounced in Baltimore, Gary? Well, so some people, I, I certainly don't want to indict everyone in Baltimore. Um, uh, they, have, they have a trouble sometimes with uh, a, a good pronunciation of an L. Hmm. So so sometimes people from Baltimore, they kind of swallow the L. So you, are, you don't actually say the L. You say L. <laughs> Not L, uh, and so, but you could, uh, you could have a chance to if you come on our tour. To ba- we're we're starting Baltimore. We, we start in Baltimore. We start in Baltimore. We go Fort McHenry, <laughs> and there, you know, that's where our constitution written. Um, I apologize to literally everyone from Baltimore, but well, no, it's Baltimore. if you meet, yeah, no, yeah, no members of the church are living in Baltimore. <laughs> if you do ever meet someone who's like really from Baltimore. You're you're gonna have to buy the L the same way you'd buy a vowel from Vanna White. I mean, there's no L. You you can't. L's are all in the back of their throat and gone. <laughs> Richard tried to get an oil change there once. Well, so I used to do a lot of work in the in the DC area, and uh, it was in the automotive aftermarket. We go and work with different distributors, and we'd be just in the heart of uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. And, and I am I am staring at their lips, trying to understand. <laughs> What is happening? And I am like, I, I, I assume I we have know. at least some listeners from Virginia that will like, oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they're more than willing to call up and be like, yeah, I can't understand them either. But in a very, in no. a very hoity, lovely, voice. wonderful people all. Okay, so I'm gonna try to not get mad as I answer the question. So you're saying Joseph Smith didn't think walking on water? How- so. I love the fact that you had your family look it up and they were like, yeah, I think the sources are sketchy at best. This is an understatement to say sketchy at best. So where does this originate? This originates from, well, first of all, this claim that religious persons uh, were trying to feign walking on water in order to get converts is actually a fairly common a trope that's used by people attacking those religious traditions. Uh, because what what are you trying to say? You're trying to say that, that, that anyone who's following them is just a dupe or a liar, right? I mean, first of all, I, I mean, it's hard for me to not be mad that some clown looked up who the local Latter-day Saint missionaries were in Pennsylvania and then called them up pretending to be interested so that he could then say, oh yeah, what about this? And then hang up the receiver before there was a chance to respond. I'm assuming he ended the call with Baba Booey. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was something like that. I mean, I mean, when you were, if you were served a mission, you would sometimes get this kind of like drive-by yelling of things from cars. Uh, I recall in Wisconsin, uh, one time we didn't just have people yell at us that we were going to hell. We were walking and uh, someone drove by with paintball guns and proceeded to shoot primarily my companion. Uh, He missed most of me. Uh, I I dove out of the way as I saw the late model Cadillac coming around the corner with with a barrel laying. I said, watch out. And he got pelted with a bunch of pink paintballs. That's not bad. I, I got hit with a, a giant uh, big gulp. Oh, was it full? It was pretty full. What, was it a sticky soda or was it a diet? 
Because that's how you know whether it's with it's in well, jest or uh, whether they beat it. Can I tell you what? It wasn't it wasn't like a red soda. It was like a Sprite. or Oh, someone who's hitting you with a Sprite. So they're yeah, basically you know saying, you know what I love? Refreshing. Mormons. <laughs> that's what they say. It was saying. a hot day. It kind of reminds me of when Brigham Young is trying to convince the Latter-day Saints. I mean, look, the Saints have been driven and driven and driven and driven and driven. So when they get driven from Nauvoo... They set up several way stations on the way through Iowa to help the people that are trying to collect and gather. And one of them is Mount Pisgah and the other is Garden Grove. Well, the people who are assigned to kind of manage and run Garden Grove, well, they, they plant crops. They start, I mean, they're industrious. So they start building cabins and they start building a little town there and they're, they're planting crops. And eventually Brigham Young kind of has to, you know. Send send the letter to those people saying, hey, I, I know you've made Garden Grove kind of a nice place, but uh, it's time to get to the valley. You know what I mean? And and it's actually kind of hard for people to leave because they're out in the middle of nowhere. I said Iowa, okay? I already said the words Iowa, and it's 1846, 47. I mean, you know, yeah. Essentially, I could throw a dart anywhere in Iowa, and if I'm... if probably it's the same level of ruralness anyway. Uh, and, and Brigham knows is kind of a hard thing in this letter that he's saying, you know, I know you've moved. I know you're safe there and you feel fine, but you need to gather with the rest of the saints. And then in a very tongue in cheek way says, you know, uh, you can try to sell your properties. You could always cross the border into Missouri and offer it to them. They would probably buy all your properties just to be rid of the Mormons that are nearby. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. It's pretty funny. You know, I'm trying to lighten the mood a little bit. And so, yeah, you know what? Someone who's throwing a Sprite at you, I, I feel like that's the same thing as love. Oh, yeah. it, no, it was literally, it was like 107. It was, it was a hot day. Well, so <laughs> we, got, we got hit by paintballs. My companion was so mad. Like, I wasn't happy. He was raging, like, like raging. Like, I'm like, well, let's, well, let's go home and get changed yelled there. And he like was so angry. He couldn't like stand it. He was, he was so mad. And I think he'd had kind of a rough mission up to that point. Cause I did say we were Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's the giveaway. So I think maybe he was just like, you know what? I'm done. And it was, it was a little bit rough, but this is more like a drive by anti Mormoning, uh, like our, extreme anti-Mormon that we've talked about <laughs> who's doing a tricky flip as he does a 180, 360, maybe a new 720, Joseph Smith, faked walking on water. Um, so the first thing, as I said, that you want to get out is that this is a, actually a relatively common refrain. Actually, you know what? Well, you know what I want to talk about first? At some point, I'm going to talk about that. See, I'm be already being derailed. Yep. I'm being derailed. We're going to need to call Becky. Becky, you need to come help me out here. Um, this is your argument. Okay, you took the time. You took the time to look up what the names of the sister missionaries, what you know, what you where they were. You know, look it up. Find it online. Okay, sister missionaries. Whatever. You took the time to call them. You took the time to to go through the song and the dance of pretending like you were interested so that you could drop a gigantic truth bomb on them. And that's what you came up with? Like, 
This is the dumbest thing I think I've heard in a long time. So you're you're mostly offended that there's 30 better anti-arguments? Look, there's lots of... Uh, uh, I don't think any of them are good, but I mean... Better. At least come at me with some John C. Bennett. I mean... Something. Yeah, yeah. Dig, Ki- a, dig Ki- a little, get an Eber Howe. Kinderhook points. Yeah, They're ki- better. Why don't you at least try? Why don't you at least say some... I mean, this <laughs> argument is so bad that it's like... The well, how how in the world would would Joseph have been able to run if he was carrying fifty pounds of plates? And literally every Navy SEAL on Earth is like, I'm pretty sure you could do it. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've heard tell that people have the ability to run with fifty pounds. I mean, these are dumb arguments. They're dumb arguments because first of all, they deny the power of God, but second of all, they are sourced horrendously and they are all of the it just stands to reason variety even in her email she said well if the members of the church were lying about you know joseph smith walking on water then that means all all members of the church are liars you couldn't find one person trained in logic or rhetoric that would say that that makes that a true statement that's that's one of the dumbest well, therefore, thus, I've ever heard in my life. So you think this this person probably was uh, was a professor at Penn then, you think? You know what? I don't know where he was a professor at. My guess he was a professor at YouTube University <laughs> where he listened to someone mock this and then, you know, without doing any research on it on his own, went and threw it up there. But, but I don't know where to start with where I should say this comes from. Should I start with where he probably heard it or should I start with where it originally comes from? Let's start with originally. Okay. Let's go back to the original sources. That's right. Let's get into our time machine. In, uh, like I said, this, this accusation is made to multiple different religious people over the course of time. It's a, it's a fairly standard trope that they are claiming that they performed a miracle, but of course they didn't perform one. In fact, that trope of claiming to perform a miracle, but of course they didn't uh, perform one, goes all the way back to Jesus, the New Testament. It goes all the way back to the New Testament where, you know, you give God the praise for we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner, right? I mean, that you couldn't possibly have been blind. You know, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. This I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. The, the arguments from the beginning were it had to be some other type of thing. And when Jesus' body is no longer in the tomb, the New Testament tells us immediately you have people saying, well, his followers came and they stole the body. That's what happened. All an attempt to discredit the other aspects of that religion. So the... Saturday evening post, um, in I, I, we don't know exactly the date on it. Uh, I'd have to find uh, the actual newspaper, and it's not digitized. But either in the last couple of days of March or in the first couple of days of April, published this article from New York in 1834. So early April, probably 1834. It was then grabbed and reprinted everywhere um it it probably was reprinted as far south as Baltimore. actually i know it was printed all the way down in milledgeville georgia which i'm not even sure where milledgeville georgia is do we have any listeners in milledgeville uh if we do go dogs do you think that they're georgia fans what if they're georgia tech fans they're not (laughs) so no one in georgia what if they're georgia southern fans 
Georgia State fans? So do you think everyone just pretends to be a Georgia Bulldogs fan when they're about to go to the national championship? I mean, they're they're potentially about to win their third national championship in a row. They're going to, I mean, allegedly, for entertainment purposes, four-and-a-half-point favorites over Alabama this weekend. That seems like a small favorite, though. I mean, Alabama. I mean, Alabama's Alabama, but Georgia's supposedly incredible. This is the same Alabama team that literally won against the Auburn team that lost by 21 points at home to New Mexico State. Now, anyone who follows college football knows that there's a couple things that no SEC team is ever allowed to do. Including Vanderbilt. One is not pay their players. (laughs) Two (laughs) is you can't ever lose at home to... Not even New Mexico. New Mexico State. Right. Well, I mean, New Mexico State's having a decent Two years ago, New Mexico State won one game. Sunbelt Championship, I think. I think they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, they're, that's great. Auburn lost getting boat raced <laughs> at home to New Mexico State. Fourth and 31. That was the most incredible. And, I was screaming and, and at my team. why team-y. in the world? Uh, you know what? Hey, here's their best receiver. Let's not guard him. <laughs> Let's guard. We've got four guys on the tight end. Single Who's coverage. at the 10-yard line? Like, we're guarding a guy on the 10-yard line. Okay, they have to score a touchdown on this play. The game's over if they don't. Let's guard the guy in the 10-yard line. Let's just everybody go there. <laughs> I don't know who called that, but, you know, it worked out for Alabama. Long story short, go dogs. Yeah, long story short. Anyway, this, this is reprinted all over the place. And you actually see this is how many rumors about Latter-day Saint history get started and how they get circulated. Once you get a false story into the print media, This is going to sound crazy to someone living in the 21st century. But most newspapers did very little of their own research. Most news outlets simply immediately reprinted or republished something that they heard anywhere else. Their level of source checking was, I heard someone who said this at a different paper, and we're printing it. Yeah, very different from today. Yeah. Today, people vet every source. Today, there's no partisanship. Today, I mean, uh, there there is no greater uh, uh, source of honesty than the news media. Um, and so, this is how the event is titled. Uh, tragical event. Tragical, with an A-L at the end there. Tragical, which in Baltimore would have been a tragical event. Um <laughs> The following tragical story of a Mormon preacher. Now, notice the original story does not actually say that it's Joseph Smith. The original story says, uh, A tragical story of a Mormon preacher is given by the editor of the Independent Messenger, which is another newspaper, uh, which becomes defunct very quickly. Okay, so we're already, look how far removed we are already, okay? The following story is given by the editor of, of another newspaper on the authority of a gentleman from the western part of the state of New York. So before we even begin to read the story, a guy tells an editor that they've copied A here. guy tells an editor who then writes it and this editor copies what that person has. That's our most original source. The source itself, I mean, and for the 19th century, this is pretty crazy. The source itself says, we shall expect to see it authenticated 
by the Western papers if it be true. So they're even they're even couching So in the original publication, the editor, who is no fan of Mormons and hates Mormons and writes all kinds of negative things about Mormons. You just assume? No, I <laughs> no, that's not even post post all kinds of negative oh, okay. things about Mormons. I, look, okay, first of all, <laughs> Every newspaper posts negative things like, about Mormons. I don't know you, but yes. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it, it. it's not hard to find uh, a negative uh, a post, uh, you know, about, about hated groups, even today, right? And so, back then, Latter-day Saints are thoroughly hated. And so, newspapers know that an article someone will read is anything to do with Mormons because Mormons are weird and Mormons are apostate and Mormons are this and Mormons are that. So, so it doesn't even actually matter what it says. And so a, a responsible news outlet would say, okay, that's a crazy story. How about we go find out if that's true? Because if it's true, well, let me read the rest. So you know, you'll know why, why it's true, but, but just so, just so you know, uh, sister, uh, the original source of the story itself says, we don't know if this is true. It'll have to be authenticated by other Western newspapers, Western New York newspapers, w- which it was not. We expect it to be authenticated. Yeah. 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 Is what they said. Yeah. In a town where the delusion was made, where, where the delusion had made numerous converts. Now, you know, this is how, you know, someone's writing without bias, Right. They couldn't just say, in a town where multiple people had converted to Mormonism. Instead, they say, in a town where the delusion had made numerous converts. I think when you refer to a a religion as a delusion, that's not the most unbiased way to talk about it. There are other ways that could be, you know, more slightly even keeled. Um, The disciples were summoned to assemble in a a wild place, meaning somewhere out in 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 the forest. Uh, circumjacent to a pond on the water of which a gifted elder announced that he should walk and preach. Okay, so these Mormons have just given out, you need to come out. I'm going to go walk on this pond. I'm going to go walk on the water. The believers notified their doubting friends and great things were anticipated. But it seems there were a few wicked Lamanites who secretly set themselves to make mischief. That's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, it uh, shows that uh, they're, the tip of the cap they're using the Book of Mormon pejoratively to attack Mormons. Yeah, and yeah. By, that's what I meant by funny. Yeah. That, <laughs> what? You know, Latter-day Saints have such a low threshold, and I'm not really <laughs> referring to Richard here, but I kind of am. Like, we, we are so used to being hated by everyone that if anyone even shows us regard at all they don't even like us but they like they show us any form of respect they suddenly become the most popular person in all mormondom hey yeah they were interviewing so and so you know the actor and he said oh i don't mind the mormons in utah i thought it was fine and suddenly he's like the most famous actor in utah like our threshold is if you don't hate us as much as everyone else hates us we love you yeah yeah i think that's pretty fair um uh, the believers were notified uh, to invite their doubting friends. There were a few wicked Lamanites who secretly set themselves to make mischief, choosing this opportunity just before the appointed day of miracles. They ascertained by means of a raft that the pond had to be traversed was extremely shallow. 
a thin sheet of water covering a common swamp mire. So, so they got to the pond and like, yeah, I'm going to go out and walk on, you know, Billings Pond or whatever the name of the pond is. So they go out to examine the pond. Well, first of all, there's hardly any water in the pond. It's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's mud with a little bit of water over the top of it. Um, the, uh, a thin sheet of water covering common swamp mire. This mire was found to be of a consistency nearly strong enough, except within a small central place, to sustain the weight of a man. They soon discovered a line of plank laid in perpendicular direction completely across the pond, sunk about four inches under the surface of the water. These were fastened down and locked together and so daubed with mud as to be quite imperceptible to the neighboring uh, uh, detectives. They resolved on preventing the miracle by sawing the concealed bridge in pieces just where it crossed the deepest and most dangerous part of the pond. I don't know what the deepest and most dangerous part of the four-inch water pond is, but I know well, it's, if you the, don't know how to swim. it's the five-inch water. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, get you. yeah, yeah, the five inches, and that was it. Um, they saw it uh, apart, and, it, and, and this was done and left seemingly as they found it. So now you, you've got so far, this is the description, that this Mormon preacher went out and found a pond that looked like it had a lot of water in it, but in point of fact was only four or five inches deep and was just so muddy that you couldn't see the bottom, but it looked like it was a deep pond. And then spent what is unquestionably days and days and days and days putting board planks all across the bottom of where he planted to walk and then somehow found a way to attach those boards together and also to the bottom of the ground i'm not saying that that's not possible but i am saying wow well well, to defend to, to defend the dangerous nature of this according to the university of rochester a child can drown in as little as one inch of water so five inches of water so so are you suggesting that he's putting the planks out there to help kids? Well, I'm just I'm just pond. saying. I mean, you're coming at this with with pretty aggressively. I am, I'm saying I there am are some aggressive. there are some points that five inches is more dangerous than you think. Except he's not trying to cross it safely. He's trying to lie to everyone to prove he can walk on water. I, he, I, he stands by the University of Rochester, <laughs> which is in Western New York. That's my point. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, the expected day arrived. The congregation placed themselves in a, as if in an amphitheater on the surrounding slopes, and the preacher appeared at the edge of the water. Presently, he raised his senatorian voice, and as he paced his invisible bridge with a step apparently unearthly, taught and warned the people. So they claim that this Mormon preacher then began to demonstrate that he was walking on water as he was preaching to the people. But of course, walking on his fake bridge that was actually across the mud of the bot. You know what? I want like a Mormon Mythbusters where we, where we go try to see if this could even occur. I, we need a donor. Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody. Someone to donate some planks of wood. No, no. We need someone to donate the money to fly us somewhere where <laughs> we can find a pond. Western New York. Yeah. To find a pond that's similar and then try 
to attach boards to the bottom. pond around here. We can't. We have to go to New York. No. Well, look, I'm not trying to steal a vacation out of someone. Why would I go to New York? You know what? You know the best place to do this? Fiji. Fiji is the place. Yeah, you can't swing a dead cat without a a four-inch pond in Fiji. You need a pond as a certain level. Anyway, it's just so preposterous. Well, so, I mean, part of the reason that this is as believable as it is to readers is because they already believe that Mormonism is so preposterous anyway. Which is exactly the confirmation bias that affects all kinds of hated minority groups, whether they are religions, whatever. If people already are predisposed to hate that group, then yeah, it's super easy to convince them. And if you don't believe me, just do this thought experiment in your mind right now. I don't know what your politics are. Okay. Um, you know, even though many of you send them to me in emails, I don't know what your politics are, but I want you to think about this. If, uh, whoever you are, uh, you know, against in the, in the upcoming American presidential election, whoever that person is that you don't want to win, I, I, I don't know who that is. I'm not projecting anything. So whoever that is, you know, whatever, whatever constitutional law party candidate you've got in your back pocket, whatever. Okay. Let's say a new story breaks about this, this leader of the opposing party that you don't like talking about something that they've done. How hard is it for you to believe that they've done that nefarious thing? Now, maybe, maybe you wait and you know, you're, you're a little more circumspect. And so you spend a little bit of time trying to research to see it, but your initial reaction if someone were to tell you that the leader of the opposing party did something nefarious, criminal, wrong, evil, would be, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course they do. That, that's what they do. That's the kind of stuff they always do, right? Now, exact same scenario, only the negative detrimental report is about the person that you want to win. Well, how is your reaction different? suddenly it goes from, yeah, of course, of course it's totally true. I don't know the source, but I'm sure it's true to, well, I mean, do we even know who said that? Right. Suddenly our source matters when it's someone we're trying to defend. And in Latter-day Saints cases, no one's trying to defend them. So the sources never matter. Now there are occasions where the outrages against Latter-day Saints will be so great that people will say, hey, hey, like I, I hate Mormons too, but you can't just like murder them and stuff. I mean, so you'll occasionally get that. But even then, more commonly, what you will get is, yeah, it's so sad that so many of them were killed in Missouri, but I mean, they kind of de- I mean, they kind of deserved it. It's too bad that their leaders led them into that. It's, it's, the, it's the example you gave at the conference that you attended where the guy's like, but polygamy though, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's all about polygamy, right? Well, I mean, no, no, no. They were being murdered long before that. But polygamy? Yeah, polygamy. I mean, the, the, so the, re, the reality is that, yeah, this is poorly sourced. But the other reason why it's believable is when you uh, attack a despised group and you provide detail in a narrative like this, well, hey, this is a fun story. This is a story I can tell at the pub. Hey, you remember that Mormon preacher in uh, New York who, like, he was trying to walk on water? But this guy's getting increasingly drunk as he tells the story. Yeah, of course, he's trying to walk on water. Like, you know, as he uh, as he's uh, you know, it, it, it this fills that kind of need 
of otherizing someone else by denigrating them, right? You're, you're, you're deliberately making it seem like anyone who believes in Mormonism must be an absolute idiot, right? Only stupid people who are, who are, uh, you know, tricked by a fake walking on water could possibly believe it. That is a way of delegitimizing their belief, right? Oh, the only reason you believe is, is that you, you haven't done X. I, I remember when I was on my mission, I've told the story before, uh, on the podcast, but you know what? We have a lot of turnover in our listeners and no one really listens anyway. And, um, it's for Rigdon now. That's fine. Yeah. Hey, Rigdon, this is for you. This is for you. Um, I remember when we were on our mission in Wisconsin, there was a preacher who made it a habit of trying to attack Latter-day Saint missionaries. And it was to the point where my companion who'd been in the area when I got there knew this guy's car because as he was driving past us one day on the street, he slammed on his brakes and my command's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And I'm like, uh, what is this like? I mean, it was like a Geo Metro. So it's not like I thought like, oh no, we've clearly offended someone in the gang community. No, I mean, it was, it was, it, 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 it I, I didn't know what was going on and up hop, hops out this pastor. Well, this pastor regularly attacked Latter-day Saint missionaries and the way he attacked them was the same. I mean, it's all the same kind of anti-Mormon stuff, but the primary point of attack that he would make is that Latter-day Saint missionaries don't know their Bible. And the only reason why you believe in Mormonism, the only reason why you belong to this cult is you've never really read the Bible. You haven't read the Bible, and that's why you've been able to be deceived by these Mormons. Well, he hops out of the car and immediately, and, and my, my companion already had multiple run-ins. This guy, apparently, any time he ever saw Latter-day Saint missionaries would do this. He'd, he'd, he'd stop his car, middle of the street, and go out and attack them to let them know that they were all going to burn in hell, which he did let me know I was going to burn in hell. Well, I mean... He said he felt bad that I was going to hell, though. He what? did. He said, you know what? I feel bad. I feel bad that you're out here doing this when you're just going to burn in hell. That's what he said. I was like, well, you know what? That's nice. Yeah, I appreciate Thanks. that. Yeah, yeah. Tip of the cap, then yeah. I'm on my way. I hate to break it to you. In Mormonism, we don't think anyone's going to hell. Not even you. <laughs> Which is really where I'm at a disadvantage here, right? I don't have the ability to push back and say, I'll see you there. Well, I guess I won't because we won't see anyone there. Anyway, um, this occurred a couple of times um, where, you know, he, he, and it was always the same refrain. You guys haven't read the Bible. You haven't read the Bible. One day we're teaching some, uh, we're teaching some people and we start to track the street around them. We knock on a door. The guy answers the door and he's like, uh, He's like, oh, oh, yeah, we'd be really interested. So already all kinds of alarm bells are going off in my head. I served a mission in Wisconsin. The only people really interested was nobody, okay? So anyone who, <laughs> when the door opened and someone was really excited to see you, that was fake. You knew it. And they said, yeah, well, we, we're just finishing dinner right now, but we'd love to have you come back in about 20 minutes or so. And I like, look, the table's completely bare. No one's sitting there eating. Like the, I can see inside like, oh, you're just finishing, just finishing dinner, huh? Well, so we go and we knock on the rest of the doors in a futile attempt to get anyone to listen to us. And we get head back over to the house, heading back over 20 minutes about 
right as we head back over, whose car do we see pulling into the driveway? Brother Dave, the pastor who who was always attacking us. And and so come to find out that we'd knocked on like one of his best friend's houses. And so we just call this you know pastor over. And so we go, I mean, I, I'm not going to be a coward, right? So I go knock on the door. Now, I didn't know. I mean, okay, maybe I did know. I hope my mission president isn't listening to this. He's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's safe. You know, it is a safe thing. Is that when I say, is someone listening to this? And the answer is always nobody. Yeah. Makes it easier. Sister Rollins is listening to this. Well, she stopped listening weeks ago because we didn't get to her email until now. True. Yeah. Anyway. um, So we go inside and, you know, we start trying to teach, you know, like we said. So we start trying to teach our first discussion. And, you know, we get about to the Joseph Smith story and Brother Dave just immediately uh, interjects himself and starts going on and on. And he starts this. He waited that long? He did. It was interesting. It was interesting. I think. So you made it through most people. I feel like like he thought that he would be able to maintain his composure longer, just like me answering this question on the email. Uh, I thought that I wouldn't, it wouldn't take me this long because I didn't get mad. Um, this episode's for Becky cause she likes it when I'm angry. Um, anyway, he, uh, he, he interrupted and, you know, started citing things and, and he said, look, your religion's false. It's obviously false. The Bible says that it's false. There, there are all these scriptures in the Bible that demonstrate that, that what you believe is false. And he then began to try to quote, uh, a, a passage from Isaiah and he couldn't remember. Oh boy! So he's stepping into he's stepping into Mormon country on well, that. Uh, so Isaiah's he goes to quote this passage from Isaiah in the Bible. It was a common anti-Mormon thing, right? Um, uh, that there are no other gods, right? And he he said that's why in Isaiah it says, uh, and and he stumbled a little bit. I mean, look, everybody stumbled. I stumble all the time. But he had already made this gigantic big deal over and over and over. And this is the third time we met with him, where we didn't meet with him. He just showed up when we were trying to teach people that the only reason we believe is that none of us have read the Bible. Yeah, you've read one verse here, one verse there, if you really read the Bible. And so as he's stammering there, trying to remember the verse of the anti Mormon, uh, you know, critique that he's trying to lob at me. I said, well, the verse you're looking for is in chapter blank, blank, and told him what it is. And I said, but I guess we need to read the Bible more, right? (laughs) Now, that wasn't right. No, that was not. That was not right. But I was mad then. I'd say, I have a problem. I have a problem. What was Uh, his response to that? He was silent for a minute. And he was like, and he like turned to it to me because I get, yeah, because you're a liar. He's like, yeah, yeah, that, that is it. I mean, I mean, so he stammered a little more and he's like, well, how how can you know that and and, and still believe? And I was like, I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible multiple times. I I believe because of the Holy Spirit. And we went on a whole nother thing. But the point is, his whole argument was to delegitimize my faith. Only stupid people. Only uneducated people, only tricked people, only people who have something to gain, only people who are skimming tithing receipts off the top, only people who are X, only people who are Y could possibly believe. Instead of allowing the legitimacy that we allow other people in their religious beliefs, that they really, really, really believe, even if it's weird, 
They really believe it. And instead of trying to make it seem like they're stupid or they're idiots or they just aren't educated the way I'm educated, maybe we just, we just let people tell their own story. I digress a great deal, however. Um, so this back to the Mormon preacher who's walking back and forth on his planks that no one can see, which first of all is preposterous. I want you to think about this. If the water's two or three inches deep and it's so dark and muddy that you can't see the boards, but someone's clearly walking on boards, that would be ridiculously obvious from the shoreline. That's why we need to do a Mythbusters on it. Um, but alas, uh, so back to him walking back and forth. Um, all ears were open. Every eye strained from its sockets with astonishment as he's walking on the water. But alas, just as the miracle worker seemed to have wrought a conviction of his divine power to the wandering hearts of the multitude, lo, he stepped on one of the detached pieces of plank and sailed sideways and instantly plunged, floundering and sinking into the deep water mire, mingling shrieks and screams and shouts of the spect of the sorry, mingling shrieks and screams and shouts of the spectators, all in a rush of commotion, were appalling. The scene was indescribable, but don't worry, this editor is going to describe it for us. Even those who had spoiled the miracle were filled with horror when they actually saw the unfortunate imposter disappear. They had not dreamed that their trick would cost him more than the fright, discomfort, and disgrace of being uh, submersed and afterwards struggling to the shore, all along taking it for granted that his plank would enable him to swim, however it might treacherously fail him to walk. But the tale closes with the close of his life and the consequent close of Mormonism in that vicinity. He died. He, he died. Oh, no. That's why it's a tragical incident. Joseph died. Well, this preacher does. Oh, I see. But then eventually it, was, it, was it becomes Joseph. Joseph, which is weird, right? Because he was <laughs> murdered by a bunch of anti-Mormon pieces is, of garbage. This is 1844? This is nope, June nope, 1844? This is 1834, but oh, Joseph, interesting. Interesting. in a miracle, is able to manifest himself for the next 10 years. Can I tell you what? I would actually, that's almost more impressive than the walking on the water. <laughs> if he was just, if he was dead, but still alive. Yeah. For yeah. 10 more years. Anyway, bad. he sank and long before the confounded assembly were in any condition to afford him relief, he perished a victim to his own imposture. It's well written. It's, well, it's, 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 clearly it's written by another. It's beautiful, right? It has all the kinds of things you want in it, right? This, you know, this story. Here's the problem. This is the original source. The original source says, oh yeah, this story will be confirmed. As I've said before on this uh, podcast. Well, so, so it's original source because we don't have the the editor of that we, other we paper. Don't, yeah, or, we, don't or have, the, we don't know who the gentleman we, is. Who's the gentleman from Western New York? I mean, this is essentially the same as me walking into a local newspaper today saying, I watched Richard try to walk on water and he fell down and died. <laughs> And then that person going to the Salt Lake Tribune and saying, hey, we've got this great story, you know. <laughs> Richard's dead. Yeah. Well, so that's the best part about this, right? I, this it's, It really is a jumping of the shark when you try to claim death. It really just is. You should always claim he was embarrassed, but he's in, notice 
There's no name of this preacher, right? He's so well known that the entire community is there to see him, but the informant who knew all about this story doesn't know who it is. Right? That's a pretty big red flag. Yeah, we don't have a name, but just everybody knows him. Everyone knows him. Larry, the drunk, everyone knows him. Knew him. Bill, the adulterer. They knew him. Well, yes. Because he's no longer with us. It's it's kind of like, uh, like I said, I've said on the podcast before. One of the easiest things in the world to determine is whether or not someone is dead. It's actually pretty simple, right? I, I realize there's cases where you, someone goes missing and then you don't know whether or not they're, you don't know what happened to them. But if there's a a Mormon preacher in a town and he's been there for a while and a bunch of people have been converted by him and he drowns in a mire pond because he was trying to walk on water, he's going to have a name. People are going to know that he's dead. It's pretty simple to figure out whether or not someone is dead in that circumstance. And of course, we we don't have a name because we don't have a body because we don't have a death because of stories made up. Now, this story, as I said, is reprinted all over the place. From the Deep South to the papers in the West, it's in Indiana within days, it's down in Milledgeville, it's in uh, Virginia, it's in uh, the the Catholic paper, the Boston Jesuit. That's kind of a giveaway that it's a Catholic paper, right? I get all my betting lines from the Boston Jesuit. The Boston Jesuit, you know, where were they on the New Hampshire game then? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I told you they were looking past. They're going to Kansas. That's, That's true. If you uh, UConn, you know, didn't quite they, cover. They only, yeah, they only beat by 20. By 20. And they were supposed to win by 31. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, 30 and what, a half. Well, I mean, it's hard to get a half point in basketball. So, <laughs> well, that's why I don't want to push. <laughs> well, so uh, uh, the Boston Jesuit, of course, a Catholic newspaper, you know, reports it as well. It's repeated everywhere, although not everywhere with the same caveat of we don't have any. We we don't know whether or not this is confirmed. Well, so they drop all of that. Well, why would you why would you put into your paper we don't know whether or not this happened? Well, because they, they printed it, yeah. so it must be good enough. Well, so let's go to the fact that this actually gets widespread enough treatment that the Latter day Saints themselves decide that they need to respond to it. When does Joseph's name get attached to it? That's well, later in life. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm jumping you ahead. You know what? Well, this may be a two-parter. Uh, <laughs> I can see. So not knowing any of this information uh, before, the, the, the we, we, we talked about the uh, the pre-show you know meeting where I said, all right, so so what's well, you, you're going to find out. Yeah. You'll find yeah. out. And I can now see why you're as irritated as you are as this is the most ridiculous thing it, ever. And, and, and someone in the 21st century is using it as though it's a good argument. Like, isn't that a special kind of crazy? You know what I mean? That that this person is is calling up these sister missionaries and saying, hey, look at what a great argument I have. And in fact, this had made such inroads. It had been spread so far within the few weeks that it circulated like wildfire that in fact the church's newspaper the evening and morning star is going to respond to this and we will talk about that in our next episode so if you want the exciting conclusion to plank walking drowning in a mire guy 
preacher, but possibly Joseph Smith, but not really, but possibly, but that's the worst source ever story. Um, join us next week where we'll talk about that. And then some other questions that we received from our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the standard of truth podcast hosted by historian, Dr. Garrett Dirkmott. If you know anybody that could benefit from the material in this episode, please share it with them. And for more resources, visit standardoftruth.com. Until next time.